We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Without Jerry McNamara, we wouldn't have won 10 games this year. Okay? Not 10. We wouldn't be here to even have a chance to play this game. And everybody's talking to me and writing about Jerry McNamara being overrated. It's the most bull thing I've seen in 30 years. Swagger from the corner. Yes! And a foul! Is he having himself an afternoon? Swagger feeling. His third three already. On the drive goes Patty Casey for the basket. <laughs> Backdoor cut. Swider with the jam. This is Swider in close. And one. All right, everyone, welcome back to episode eight of the Swider Show. I know this is a little uh, unfamiliar with me doing the introduction, but me and Swider just wrapped up a phenomenal interview with Coach Jerry McNamara, who we were with for a year. Um, and afterwards, Swider asked me to do the honors of the intro because he was so struck by how great the conversation was. So, Swider, welcome, welcome back. Um, I guess, yeah, just a quick recap of, of the interview because – it was about, I don't know, 90 minutes, so this this first portion will be a little bit shorter. But Yeah, man. I, look, hey, Patty, by the way, great job in that uh, in that intro. Yeah, no, I mean, closer. Now I'm starting games. It's like it's Versatile, like, like the Phillies right now. But, um, yep. but yeah, man, uh, it was an amazing episode with G-Mac. Obviously, I, I, we've talked about him a couple of times and how influential he's been in my life. Um, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for him. Um, and then, obviously, just the relationship that Patty has with him, idolizing him as a kid in Scranton, and then just the relationship that he mm-hmm. that we all grew together when we were together at Syracuse. So, amazing interview, um, amazing person, amazing storyteller. You know what I mean? Like, I couldn't keep my eyes, yep. I couldn't keep my eyes off the screen. And like <laughs> you know, you know when you, Patty, you know when you listen to that great speaker and then your eyes are like are like dry yeah. after. Yeah, he uh, he just made our job very easy, as the listeners will find out, because like, we would give him you know one quick question, and he'd have like four great stories for every single question we asked him. So, um, yeah, it's still very surreal for me personally, actually having a relationship with Jerry McNamara, because I think it's pretty well documented in all the articles that, or in like the two or three articles <laughs> I got last year, that uh, I like had his jersey in my room when I was growing up and everything, so... Yeah, if I were to tell eight-year-old Patty that I just had him as a guest on my podcast with a Lakers player, I don't think he'd believe me. Hey, man. But, we're on our way. Um, yeah, there's not not much more to be said about that. I think, you know, like we said, not going to hold you from it too, too much longer. But we did want to uh, touch real quick, Swider, on how your, your rehab's going, how this last week went. 
Um, obviously, very big win for the Lakers this week. Yeah, man. You guys are on the board. So, um, yeah, just speak to that, how your week was, how the week was for the team, everything. Yeah, man. So, I, I, I actually stayed home from the from the road trip this week, so I really got to focus on my on my treatment. Um, got, got to mm-hmm. finally start to put some weight on my foot, starting to get into uh, more exercises, you know what I mean? So, um, overall, good, good week of Good week of rehab. Uh, don't, don't have a lot of pain, which is good. Um, obviously, shooting form shots, lifting, and everything like that. But, but yeah, um, so so good week of rehab. Feeling good, feeling feeling strong. I think I'm gonna get out. Of, I'm gonna get out of this boot Thursday, and then uh, two more weeks of sitting out, and then oh, nice. get, get, get right back into to, um, the ramp up before before I start playing again. So it it it's, right. it's taking a while, especially after last night. You know, what I mean, I'm just itching to get out there. I mean. you not, yeah. not, not that you forget how much you love playing and competing, but it, nah, it, it's yeah. just one of those things where when, when you're injured, you're seeing your team go out there and play well, you're like, oh, my God, I want to play in front of 20,000. And even if it's even mm-hmm. if it's with the G League team, like, I just love competing. They, they had a scrimmage and everything like that. So, um, But, yeah, no, last night was really special. Um, obviously, first win for my head coach, Darvin Ham. Um, and, yeah, man, it's, it's a – Obviously, really grateful for him as well. You know, I mean, he took a chance on me in this draft process, and it was really great to see him kind of get that first win. Just, just to see, I think he's grown even in our first six games as a head coach. You know what I mean? That uh, just really establishing roles, and and obviously he he's made tough decisions already. You know what I mean? He's decided to bring Russ yeah. off the bench, who's an MVP, a former MVP, and uh, he, he's just. I'm just really uh, happy for him, happy for his family, and I think it's going to be first of many for him. Right. Yep. Um, wait, so by the time this drops, you'll be boot free Thursday? Yeah, that, that, that'll be the day I will uh, that yeah, morning. get my boot off. Yeah. Wow. That's exciting. Yeah, man. So It's, it's crazy, man, because I don't have a lot of pain, but it's, it's just one of those things where it's getting better every single day yeah. just, just trusting the doctors keep trusting pushing. the medical staff and yeah just keep pushing and uh, obviously strengthen other parts of my body during this during this time too uh-huh right yeah but uh also to your point you're definitely not a guy who takes basketball for granted at all but i think just human nature wise when you're practicing every day you can kind of get caught up in the um like the routine yeah. of it and then when it's taken away you're like what the hell do i do now no i agree i agree especially because i I was telling my dad this yesterday. I uh, it's been since before the Syracuse season where I've had a legit break, and, and I've had to be I've had to be on since the beginning of Syracuse season too. Because yeah. right after that, I'm with the PIT. PIT is in front of 200 NBA scouts. Then after that, I'm I'm doing pro day in front of 200 NBA scouts, and then I'm doing all these NBA workouts where it's like you're you're getting you're getting looked at every single game or every single workout, right. every single practice, like everything is you're being evaluated on. So this is the first time where I've, I've kind of had a second to sit back and, and really focus on resting my sleep um, and not just not, not having anxiety about it, but just like the overall, just the competition of just like every single day. So try, trying to, trying to yeah. get that in other ways, but it's been a right. – it, it'll be good. I'll, I'll be refreshed and ready to go. Yeah, well, obviously the – entire podcast is pulling for you we're looking forward to the comeback um and yeah very good to get one one under guys belt like you said i think i can see a little streak here swider as, as you guys start moving yeah, forward man, i mean the pelicans are a really good team obviously zion's back so right um th- that's gonna be a tough yeah, one and then I, th- I think our schedule because I, I mean every single team in the nba is tough but i think the schedule becomes a little bit yeah. more favorable um not 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 many we're gonna yeah. win all these games but i think 
these first five games were, I mean, six games. I mean, all good, opponents, really good yeah. opponents who who I think all have a chance of making a deep a deep run in the playoffs. So, um, excited mm-hmm. to obviously continue with the season and obviously get back. So, um, yeah. But so yeah, we're excited for you to return. We're also excited to give the listeners this tremendous interview with GMAC. Yeah, um, I really like can't speak enough to, to how good it was. So, so um, I think it was a little different than than what we've done with other guests. Where you know, obviously, he has this perspective of being a coach now for 12, 13 years. He's literally maybe the biggest legend in Q's history, next to Melo. So, and Coach Beheim, obviously, but. Yeah, thank you guys again for tuning in. Um, oh, mailbag question of the week. We're not featuring it at this part of the episode, but when this drops on Thursday, if you follow us at Swider Show on Twitter or Instagram, you will have seen it on social media. So, um, yeah, a little different, but we wanted to make sure we got that out to you guys regardless. But, yeah, I'll shut up now, and I uh, hope you guys enjoy this interview with GMAC. Wait, 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 wait. Yep. You need to follow us on all platforms at Swider Show. Yeah, I just said it. I just said it. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Wait, this is your role yeah, now. I'm the host. I'm, I'm, I'm going to take this over real, real quick. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Follow us on all platforms at Swider Show. Um, email us at Swider Show at gmail.com with all your questions and Bang. and obviously um, follow us on all our platforms. Subscribe on Spotify or wherever you listen to your 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 podcasts. And um, without further ado, uh, Jay McNamara. Welcome, Coach uh, GMAC, to, to the to the Sweater Show with uh, Patty Casey. We're super excited to have you, obviously. Um, long overdue having you on the show. Um, one of the main reasons why I came to Syracuse. So, just overall, just, just very thankful that you came on the show, Coach. You kidding me? You guys <laughs> texted me last week, and I responded with one word. Do you remember what the word was? Done. Done. Yep. <laughs> you want me on? Done. It's good to see you guys. Yeah, no, it's been a while. It's been a while. Obviously, you came out here to California. We got some Italian food. Actually, uh, uh, that, no that tweet. Yeah, no, that tweet went pretty viral. I'm, I'm surprised you didn't see it, Patty. Oh, I did see that. I think I gave that a retweet. Actually, that was a while ago. I thought you were talking about recently. You guys didn't invite me, but we'll move past it, I guess. <laughs> Last <laughs> month, right? Month and a half. Yeah, month and a half, something like that. Yeah. I flew out to California. Was doing a little recruiting, and within the first like 11 minutes, I was on the ground. I was having dinner with Swidey. Perfect. <laughs> I was like, he's been living in LA since, you know, 2011. I'm like, where are we going? He's they sent me to the best. I'm like, let's get it. Oh, he had it. Had it regimented, yeah. No question. You know how he yeah. is. <laughs> yep, exactly. He's got his 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 salmon, his brown rice. No question. Gets a club sandwich for the next day. <laughs> I got there. He already had like some arugula, like whatever type of salad. Or something. <laughs> yeah. Makes you feel like an asshole for like getting a chicken sandwich. Yeah. Jeez, I can't uh, double cheeseburger. Yeah, counting the neck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just just kind of just kind of just starting off where uh, with the team so far this year. I mean, obviously, me and Patty, we watched the first uh, exhibition game. I thought you guys got better as the game went on. Obviously, the young team and everything. But how, how do you think the team's looking so far? How was the summer? How was preseason? And you, you're gonna get games going in the next week, so you got to be pretty excited. Yeah, a lot different than kind of last year with you guys' experience with like a veteran group. Um, you know, with this year with six new guys, six freshmen and transfer sophomore, um, we 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 felt like we have a really good core group with this young guy with with, with this six incoming freshman class. But you just 
you can't simulate. It's like when people say like, you can't simulate a Syracuse zone, like you can't simulate live action. Mm -hmm. um, so as, as, as excited as we've been for the months that, of work that they put in, what we think we have and how talented we think they can be, um, there was a, still a lot of unknowns of going into last Tuesday night uh, of kind of getting their feet wet to the co college level. I don't think we could have prepared for, uh, I'm saying, let me rephrase that. I don't think we could have scheduled a better opponent. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I was listening to the radio station the day after we played and I, it took everything in my power not to call in um, because someone made the comment of, I don't care what you say. It's a division two team and like the level of disrespect that I took of that, like the level of disrespect for the, for the, the amount of kids that are talented in this game that put in the amount of work, but more so a final four team from the division two level that had won 33 games last year. Uh, that was really, really talented and experienced. I think that's the thing that we're missing here is the experience factor. So uh, you know, going in, I knew like, man, these, and we, we told our guys like, this team's really good. Like you have to understand, we watched the film. Uh, we went through the scout, like this team's really good. Um, so for, for a first game, I don't think we could have been better tested to, to face like a little bit of a punch, like, Holy Lord, we're here, we're in it. Yeah. Um, and then to battle back. And I think, you know, we played the last 12 minutes plus 23. So yeah. Um, like you said, we started off slow. It took us, you know, and, and we're, we're mixing in defenses. We played a big rotation. Mm -hmm. um, so we're just kind of seeing what guys are doing when, when we're in live action. And that, that's what these games are for. Um, we just saw last night, I think it was, that Louisville lost to a Division II team. So yeah. um, the, the level of experience that Joe Lombardi's group at IUP had um, coming in for us as a young group to face that, uh, just like really the, the perfect type of schedule for us to kind of get these guys going. I remember uh, talking to Pete Corsonini last year, shout out Pete. And he was like, yeah, we scheduled a top five final four type division two team for our first game. <laughs> like, like, and, and, I, also, and I was like, go ahead. The reason why it's so like productive, especially for this team is IUP is grown men every single year. Like I played them two years at U Sciences my sophomore year, I actually had the box score here. I went 0 for 8 in 30 minutes and had zero points. So that tells you how I played against them. But they're literally like <laughs> fifth-year seniors, grown men. Like, it's it's college basketball. So if you have young guys, it's like a perfect preparation for, like, actual games. Yeah, it was perfect. I mean, it really was. Mm -hmm. The fact that we had to take a punch. Um, yeah, I, I think you find a team's true character is when, you know, you get hit in the mouth a little bit. And Definitely. You know, I think the one thing that we did, and we've seen it over the years when, when, you know, you guys have experienced it, is when we go into our pressure, I think for a young group, it, it alleviated the pressure of exhaustive possessions. It sped yeah. the game up a little bit, and they started to kind of just play. So mm -hmm. we let them go a little bit. So now, like, the pressure of being in a close game kind of went away a little bit because you were playing so fast, you didn't think about it as much. And once we did that, it just sped the game up and our guys played a little bit more freely. Um, but yeah, like Patty said, like, I, I think that not only physically, um, but then you talk about personnel in terms of like, I talked to Coach Lombardi before the game and I said, you guys, you guys have a really good group, huh? He's like, yeah, we love this team. Like, 
obviously we had a lot of success last year, but you know, he's, he said, he's like, I think I have two of the best guards in, in all of division two. And I think I have the two best big guys in all of division two. And one of the, <laughs> one of, honestly, and, and one of the things that their five man does, um, oh. I think it was Porterfield is he's six ten, but he shoots threes. So you're yeah. running four or five out motion. And now we're working on our man to man all summer. And now all of a sudden, instead of Jesse Edwards being the pick and pop, yeah. guy, he's been 24 feet, you know? So, uh, it was really productive for us because we saw different coverages that we needed to make. We went smaller for a stretch with Malik Brown at the five. So um, just like really, it was kind of honest to God, it was the perfect matchup for us. That kid started over nine too, which was so impressive. And he just kept hucking. Yeah. And he kept going and, you know, I yeah. mean, he ended up shooting pretty well. It's funny. Yeah. I, I, I recently showed a recruit, uh, Cole Swider's tweet about one of our players. I think Chris Bell had gone, uh, what was it? One for nine in our first game. And, yeah, one, for, yeah, one for nine, one for six from three, or something like that. Yeah. You know, coach said in the post game, well, he's capable of going six for nine next game. And Cole had tweeted like, "Yeah, I love him. He's a, he's the best." You know, mm-hmm. um, and it was the same thing on the other side. Like, you know, yeah. I mean, Cole, I mean, you got to do better than that. You got to keep shooting the ball. I mean, what are you doing? I'm gonna get <laughs> I'm getting shows down my back right now, just because like I, I just have so much love and appreciation for all you guys because, you know, at the beginning of the season I was three, I think what three for twenty two or something like that. I remember after uh, the pit game, coach was like, Cole, like, can you make a shot? Like, come on. <laughs> and like, but like, it wasn't like, all right, you're not going to play next game. It's like, all right, keep shooting. I believe yeah. in you. And Patty talks about it all the time, how much, how much faith he has in his shooters. And just that, yeah. that tweet or that, that comment that he's, he had, it just gave me chills down my back. It was just unbelievable. I, my, I think our conversations are probably more short winded. I'd be like, Cole, shoot the fucking ball. And you knock it off. <laughs> Just shoot it. Yeah. Knock it off. Yeah, stop it. <laughs> IUP was a great first test. Um, and then, obviously, coming up into this regular season, obviously, you guys have one more exhibition game. What, what are you guys just trying to improve on? Is, is man-to-man a thing that we're, we're going to go to? Because, obviously, you guys look really good in the zone. I, I thought you guys were really active. Not not taking anything away from me, Buddy, and Jimmy, but the, the, the zone looked like a typical 2-3 zone with, with those athletes and – and I thought Cordier played great being active. Um, just just kind of touch on some of those things and of, of uh, what, what we can kind of expect as Syracuse fans coming up. Well, I think that's the exciting thing really kind of with this group is, you know, last year's team with you guys, we were just so explosive in stretches offensively. Like that was um, our ability to shoot last year. Uh, I think we were a top 15 team offensive efficiency. Yeah. We just didn't get enough stops and stretches. I think this team's a little bit different in terms of the ability to shoot. Probably widespread isn't as productive, but from the personnel standpoint is we probably do have a little bit more defensive versatility. Yeah. Um, so length, athleticism, ability to guard multiple positions. Um, I think man is a thing that this team is going to – I think it's going to probably be a more traditional Syracuse team like – you know, even when I played from from my years, whenever we needed to flip or change a game, I think back to the 2003 national championship season a lot. Like we we played man a lot in games. Like we came back from like 13 or 14 games in the second half to win, and I'd say more than half of those games we had switched to man to man at some point. Um, do I think our zone could probably be a, a little bit more disruptive this year than last year? 100% I do. I believe that. I think that's. Um, 
I, I, I think that's with the link that we have um, at the wing position, we have multiple bigs this year. One of them's, you know, really two of our guys with Munir and, and Peter are both young. Uh, yeah. But obviously, and by the way, let me add this. We would have peaked at the right time like a typical Syracuse team last year had Jesse Edwards not broken his wrist. Oh, let's, for sure. Let's just throw that out there. For sure. Okay. okay, so I'll just leave that on the back burner. However, I do believe with this year's group um, that both defenses can be productive. I also think it gives you the it gives you the option playing man-to-man that you can play small in stretches. Um you know, even even against IUP with the fact that Malik Brown, who's like, you know, Elijah Hughes came in at one point and played in the summer, and I saw him later that day, and he's like, hey, man, the kid Brown's like a 3 and D guy in Malik. Like, you know, he ends up being like 6'9", 6'10", but he's an elite-level defender. So he could play the five. Yeah. Um, you know, so if you ever need to go man-to-man and flip a, a defense and, and switch everything, and, uh, you know, Malik's option. Benny's an option because he's huge. And, um so there's a lot of different things that we can do. Justin Taylor can play multiple positions. Uh, you saw Quadir kind of change the flow of the game. And, and one of the yeah. things about him is he's kind of done that pretty much consistently in practice every day, uh, just his energy level. Uh, he's really a point guard, but, you know, you have Judah and you're trying to get Quadir minutes because of his size at 6'6", six, six, and more so because of his intensity level and willingness to put his nose in as we would like to say, get in the mud, uh, yep. he can give us some versatility there and, and play stretches at the two or the three defensively. So um, I think this is going to be kind of a throwback group where we got to figure it out as we go in terms of our defenses are are versatile. Um, you know, we could play a lot of different lineups. Um, but again, it's 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 one of those things that you, you go game by game. And, you know, again, coming into to Tuesday night, we're going to uh, – you know, I, this might drop after the game, right? So we're, we're yeah. actually Thursday. Yeah, so we'll have played um, tomorrow night by the time this drops. So hopefully, you know, we can continue to throw out a couple different rotations, play multiple defenses, and and get these guys some valuable minutes. And and you know, it it took me. I I had this conversation with Red today at practice, and we talked about this. It took me until. Yeah, I didn't get much out of the exhibition games. I took like four shots in one game and I had like four points, but it took the loss at the garden in our first real game to Memphis for me to be like, man, I could have done a lot of damage. And I had, I, I didn't play great. I shot like four for 11 or 12, Yeah. Uh, had 13 points and we lost, you know, to a team that eventually went to the NIT and we became a team that won a national championship <laughs> with a young group. Like the amount of room to grow is there, um, so th- there's a lot of excitement um, for us in terms of of what we hopefully can potentially become. You guys played man in that game, right, against Memphis, didn't you? For like first half. Yeah, I would yeah. imagine at some point we did. I think yeah. I was watching that on YouTube during class last year, <laughs> but I haven't watched. <laughs> I was curious, Daddy. I don't watch those months. I don't watch those games. The oh, game. the losses. End up losing. I was actually curious. That was a question I was going to ask you. Is uh, like obviously there's so many freshmen here now, and we had Joe on last week, and we talked about the similarities with his career and how he's like. I mean, you've been basically like the perfect mentor for him throughout his career, and then also personally. But 
how do you like balance or what advice are you giving to like a freshman like all these freshmen that are going to have opportunities like how much do you think back of when you were in their shoes and like getting the season going with as a freshman who's like has all this responsibility I think one of the things that I have to kind of factor in is what like not just the guys that are playing it's the guys that aren't yeah Um, and I have to I have to sympathize with the guys that aren't in the same situation I I was so the guys that might not play right away um and the one thing the greatest piece of advice that I've ever been given and you guys know this is you know kids spell love t-i-m-e I say it all the time Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I try to honestly live my coaching life in that term is I have to spend time with you guys. So I have to, I have to show Cole Swider the same amount of love and appreciation and time that I show Patty Casey. And I did to you. I, it was, 100%. It, was a, yeah. it was a week or two into Patty's um, season last year. And I walked over to you and I said, start showing up at three o'clock. Yep. And he didn't miss a day since. Yeah. Um, and, and you guys know, like, uh, uh, over the course of my career, I've always been on the court at 3 to 4 o'clock. Our practices start yep. at 4. So from 3 yep. to 4 o'clock, I am available to every guard that works in our group. Like, we're going to get some work in. Um, so I think the biggest message that I can give them is don't shortcut the process. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're, if you're about this and you want to be successful, let – Let's put in the time. And that goes from the the guy that might not play every minute to the guy that's going to play every single minute. And I need to treat and hold you both the same amount accountable, if that makes sense. Yeah. Makes perfect I sense. I have to yep. find the common ground. I might treat Cole a little bit different than I treat Patty in terms of how yep. I talk to you separately. Um, because Patty might be going through something different than Cole's going through. Because Cole said it. Like, Cole missed, you know, eight shots the game before. Sure, yep. upset, but he, he knew he was going to play. Well, the other guy might not be in the same situation. Yep. So um, part, of, part of my job is I have to also sympathize with the people that weren't. Because I was in Cole's situation. I was the guy that could play those amount of minutes, could miss the, that amount of shots. And I knew I was still going to come back. And there's a lot of power in that because you could build your confidence through that. Like that's empowering. Um, but there's also a few guys that aren't going to be in that scenario. So, um, you know, I think there's just a, such a fine line of, of, you know, drawing back on some of my experiences um, for guys that are in Cole's situation and then sympathizing and encouraging and continuing to work and stay positive with the guys that might not be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So last week, me, me and Patty actually talked a lot about about you. You know what I mean? Because obviously, <laughs> you made such a big impact on my life in, in in that one year from from recruiting me. I mean, even even from before I I went to Villanova at first. Then then you made such a big impact on my life before then, and then and then now. But um, one of the things that we talked about that I I don't know if you worked on this. If this comes naturally to you, but your ability to be an ultimate competitor killer freaking like have have your mind locked in on the game know know everything that's going on while at the same time being able to make a joke in practice like we're all hanging out make a joke be able to i 
I in and out of free throw against Duke in uh or I'm in and out goes in in the ACC tournament. I look over to you. You're like, you know what I mean? Like to have that wherewithal in in those small moments. Like Patty and I was like, I, we've never seen anything like it. Like, can you talk about that a little bit? And, and you might not even know that how special that is. But but did you work on that? Is that something that you learned from Coach Bayheim? Is that something that you you've developed over the years? Just just kind of talk about that a little bit. To be, uh, thank you. I, I, thank you. That actually is an incredible compliment. I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think, to be quite frank, it's just who I am. Yeah. You know, I, I, I think you guys know me as well as pretty much any player I've ever coached. Uh, I value the people I'm around. Um, and if you're willing to be all in with me, like you guys were, I'm all in it with you win lose or you know there's no draws but you know yeah however this shit goes like we're in it together so if if we've got sweat equity in this together like we're gonna we're gonna win together we're gonna lose together and i'm okay with the results because i know we've done everything we can to prepare for the moment um so you rattle a shot in at Duke and you look at me and i'm probably like oh shit you're lucky that one you're lucky that one <laughs> and we laugh about it because I know you're going to step up confidently to the next one because we've done it a gazillion times. Um, so yeah, I, I, I just uh, I don't I don't take lightly what I do. Um, and I, you know, it's funny. Eric and Eric Dorf and I did I did his podcast a few years ago, and I remember I was actually sitting in my basement. I, I had the like Final Four picture behind me. And when I first got into coaching, like, I was so obsessed uh, with winning a national championship. And what I found out in such a, like, short, brief period of time was, yeah, I that's, that's why I'm willing to do everything in my power of every day of why I go to work. But through the process, it's about the people that you go into that battle with. Yeah. Um, so it was more so I just yeah I don't know I just I, I fall in love with the people I'm around I believe in them because they've 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 been willing to show up at 3 o'clock every day they've been willing to watch the film sessions every day um, I think the guys that I've butted heads with the most have been the guys that fight that process um, and it's because I'm willing to go to every exhaustive length to prepare to win. And if you're not, I don't know if I can trust you in those moments. So the guys that I know will do all those things, even if they don't accomplish it, I know they gave everything they could to try to. And I can live with that result. So, um, do I lighten the mood every now and then in the in the heat of of us killing each other? I do. And I do it intentionally because it's my way of being like, man, I love being in the gym with you guys. Yeah. Yeah, no, I like you couldn't have said it any better from, from my standpoint too. I mean I like having that relationship with you this past year was something that I hadn't had in my college career, just be able to talk talk to you as a as a coach, as a 
older brother as a as a mentor. I, I, like Patty knows my senior speech this year. We didn't have the year that we wanted to. But I, honestly, going into the year, I thought I thought we could be a really good team. You know what I mean? Make make, make a big big run. But at the end of the day, I'm we we have the season that we do, and I'm up on this on the podium crying, like choked up. And it's mostly because you, Coach Bayheim, obviously all the coaches and, and D Nick, but just the 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 sweat equity that we went into every single day with, and, and to be able to resurrect my college basketball career is it, it's just I'm getting emotional just thinking about it right now. Just and just obviously you talk about the process and everything like that, and I and I I hear you 100, percent and I know Patty's the same exact way, just yeah, and everything like that. I also so. think I don't think that group, in a lot of ways, we were very like our chemistry is you know G Mac. It was a very like good team. Like we were definitely friends off the court. It was like it's one of my favorites. Like, like, let's 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 take record yeah. out. Yeah. Because don't don't but. forget. All right, let, I'll let you finish. <laughs> don't don't forget. No, I'm I'm being dead serious. Yeah, okay. I got you. There there are very few times that you can go through a basketball season, lose a game, come in with the same group that just lost a heartbreaker, and they're going to give you everything they got. Yep. It was remarkable to me. I couldn't. I was so grateful mm-hmm. for the work ethic of last year's team, and we could have easily been a twenty-two or twenty-three win team. Oh my god! We should have been four, four bounces like, away. Could have, yeah. <laughs> but that was basically essentially what my point was: is like that locker room, and then the extension of the coaches, like Swider. We lose to Colgate, right? It's lower point than anyone could have imagined. We're sitting there, like, after the game, everyone's ragging on us on Twitter and everything. Get, like, a book from GMAC in the guards group message. And it's yeah. like, all right, like, we'll be fine. Like, we, we could get through this. You know what I mean? And there's obviously way too many moments like that last year. But I don't think a regular team or locker room gets through, you know, some of the points that we got through last year. And then, I mean, we could talk about the last game if we want to. But, <laughs> like, it was almost another – like authentic Q's run and I don't think that happens for a lot of teams you know what I mean I think that's a testament to I had always felt with last year's group because of the work that we were going to break through and I think we're on the verge I think we won four in a row when Jesse broke his wrist um, if I'm not mistaken yeah and you know to, to drop two games to Miami we're up 18 in both games uh, we lost the kid Caleb Love hit a deep three at Carolina. Cole had like thirty six in that game. One of the best yeah. yeah, one of the best road performances I've ever seen, uh player or coach at this in our program. Um we had lost at Notre Dame, we should have won. We had lost Virginia at home, we should have won. Florida State at home, we should have won. Florida State at home should have won. Um I was just really appreciative of of all the heartbreak. There wasn't a day that we didn't come into the Mellow Center and play the same music, yep. same energy. I I I, I was mic'd for one practice, and I walked by, and I was like, I've never been prouder as a coach. My players are listening to Pearl Jam. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, just the group, the vibe, like the yep. life friendships we knew we were creating in the process of that. But just like how proud I was. I, I recently gave a speech at a at an event a few weeks ago 
and I had spoke at it last year. And, and one of the things I had said to the group last year before our season started, I said, I think you're going to really love watching this group. And I said it again this year. I said, I said last year that you're really going to love watching this group. I said, I know I did. And I've never been prouder of a team, regardless of record, of how they fought through and prepared for the next one. Um, you know, so it, I've, I've had so many experiences. Uh, I've been at the lowest of low, and then next thing you know, you go on a final four run in the, in, in the coaching side of this industry. Um, and everything's, there's a lot of good, there's some that are bad. Um, to me, the only thing bad about last year was the final result of record. The preparation, the people, um, the work. Um, I don't think there's anybody even in our fan base that didn't watch us and say the next day, like, man, they gave everything they had. Yeah. I, I think there's a hell of a lot to be said about the people that you, that do that. Let's, let's go back to you deciding um, you're the college decision. What 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 kind of went into that college decision? What other schools were involved? And then what ultimately decided, led you to the Syracuse and to that legendary career? Jeez, dude, you're talking like two decades plus away. <laughs> like that's how old I'm getting. <laughs> but, but, you, but you remember it like it was yesterday. So I, I, I don't know why. It's terrifying. Um, yeah, I, jeez. Uh, let's see. Uh, I really liked Penn State was kind of the first one that came full steam. Um, and then Syracuse was next. And then I went, we went out to Vegas and I kind of had my coming out party, had a couple 40 pieces against the best competition in the country with like a yeah. low grade AAU team. Like, you know, our local. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I, I shouldn't say low. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm yeah, kidding. no. In, but like we, in this know, context, in this you know, context, yeah. you know, like yeah. we're, we're like yeah. a couple no, of know, exactly. one players and like, you know, if that, a couple yeah. of D2, D3 guys, like, but we play well together. Yeah, always. And then we went out to Vegas, and it kind of blew up. And then it just kind of it went from there. It was like, you know, Matt Doherty was at Notre Dame. He left Notre Dame, went to Carolina. He pe- kept recruiting me there. Then Mike Bray got Notre Dame, and he started recruiting me at Notre Dame. Um, but I think when it came down to it, I had gotten kind of close, and I was really digging uh, Billy Donovan at Florida and how he was recruiting me, and I was really digging Syracuse. Like, those were the two, like, I just felt like these two programs understand my game. Uh, and I had developed a really good relationship with uh, with both programs. And then the, the first time I had dri- driven from Syracuse, or I'm sorry, from Scranton, to Syracuse and Patty knows this. It's the easiest ride in the world. It's the easiest ride. <laughs> it's the best ride in, in the country. It's so close. remarkable how easy it is. <laughs> so, I like we drove up here our AU team and we let, we played against uh, the All Star team from like the Bayheim Jim Bayheim camp of like 400 kids, our AU team. And I walked in the dome the first time, and Hop Hop was recruiting me. And coach hadn't hadn't even seen me yet, and he he hop tackled me in like the bleachers <laughs> in front of my mother and father, and was like humping me like a like a dog. <laughs> and then it was I hit like you know I had a big first I hit like seven or eight threes in the first half, and and we were up like a hundred. And at halftime we were doing layup drills, and I 
just looked up and my mother and father came up to watch it and I like looked up in the stands and coach was sitting in between my mom and dad and I just kind of looked up and I'm like yeah this must be going pretty well so like I left Syracuse that night with an offer and like the you know the relationship had grown from there but it was it was one night when Billy Donovan had called and back then you could only get one call in a week which is crazy because now yeah, I can insane. I could text a kid 200 times tonight so I got I got a call at the house and it was from Billy Donovan and I missed it and then I saw it on the caller ID and then a few Bucci uh, Booch called yep. me hey coach Donovan just called me he wants you to call him I was like all right I'll call him like 20 minutes went by he's like hey Booch is like what are you doing he called me again you know he, he wants you to call him. <laughs> so like by the third time Booch called me I called coach Donovan and I talked to him I talked to him for a half hour and I had a great conversation with him and I hung up the phone my dad and I were sitting on opposite ends of our couch and like five minutes had gone by after I had got off the phone and he said hey why didn't you uh why didn't you call coach Donovan back right away and I just turned to him I was like dad I'm getting sick of this like I I kind of know what I want to do and he didn't say another word he picked up the remote control and he turned the television off and he he put the remote on the on the the coffee table he said let's talk it let's talk about it he goes you want to go to Syracuse don't you and I go yeah and he pulled out he he had my father had he was like meticulous he had pulled out he had index cards and he pulled out index cards and he had literally notes on every school that was recruiting me had never talked to me about it just wanted me to go through my process but when it was time to break it down we broke it down and he's like, they got four guards. I'm like, I don't care. Yep. <laughs> I'll beat them up. <laughs> so that was like, it was that night. It was that night that I realized, like, I don't want to go through the process anymore. And I, I really, I'm digging kind of what Syracuse is telling me. And uh, let's make this move. So you were a junior, right, when you committed? Is that early on? Yeah, I, I'm trying to think. Mm. It was it, it was early what would be considered... Um, Summer going into soccer senior. I would say, I would say back then it was probably early. Yeah, I was committed. Yeah. Like I was at I was in Ocean City, Maryland on vacation, and I was committed to Syracuse. So uh, it would have been I was at ABCD. I was committed. So probably April. No, as a matter of fact, it was April of of uh, my junior year because when I called to commit, they were the coaching staff was at the Final Four. Yeah. Um, I mean, Swider knows I could do like an hour and a half on your hand and career, but we'll we'll move on quickly here. I gotta ask you, you gotta tell the Trinity story, though, or the Trinity game story, for those who don't know. <laughs> Swider, do you know this story? Okay, I definitely told no. you. <laughs> which which one, Mike? Because we played them twice. Your senior year, yeah. yeah. You want you don't 55. want to talk about the junior year when they beat us? Oh no, listen, we're we got all night. You could talk about either one of them. But you said you don't bring up the losses. I don't bring up losses. But yeah, I, I have to bring up this story. So okay. I had lost my freshman and sophomore year in the state championship. Um, and then we lost to Trinity my junior year in the state semifinal. They were number one in the state. They had won, So they beat us in the semifinal, won a state championship. And they had uh, Johnny Morris. And Sean Morris is his older brother who was on that team. And Sean's a assistant coach with yep. – 
Yeah, good dude. He's he's one of my good friends. He's an assistant coach at uh, Quinnipiac with with yeah, uh, yeah. Cole's guy Bake. Yeah. Um, oh, Dunleavy. Yeah, yeah, Baker yeah, Dunleavy. Yeah. So they beat us, and I'll never forget it. A local Scranton Times news reporter had put in the Scranton wrote a big article in the Scranton Times that that Johnny Moe should be state player of the year because they beat us and they won the state championship. I'm sure you took kindly to that, reading that. I never did an interview with him again. (laughs) (laughs) So a few weeks later, I got, got, you know, small school state player of the year, but Trinity had beaten us and won the state championship. Did did this kid win? No, I got, I got state. Okay, okay, okay. okay, okay, Come on, come on. But he had wrote in the article. So a year goes by, and they were number one in the state. We were number two in the state. They hadn't they hadn't lost a game in that time span. A whole year later, um, so we played them in the same gym, same situation to go to the state championship. Um, and I, was, I said it to this day: I've never been more mentally prepared for a basketball game in my life. Like I had been waiting a whole year to get back to that gym for that moment and to be like, there is no doubt who the best player in the state is mm-hmm. and who the best team is. Um, so I took advantage of the moment, you know, it's just as simple as that. You know, I had it like a out of body, you know, but I had mentally, I'm a, I'm a believer in that. I know Cole, you are in the yeah. visual process. Um, but yeah, I was just, I was so locked in engaged and, I had my mindset. I was like, uh, I, I say it to this day, and it's the God's honest truth. Had I not, I don't think I'd become the player I was. I lost my freshman year. Oh, really? State yeah. championship. It drove me. I lost my sophomore year. It drove me. I lost my junior year. It drove me. And then to get to my senior year with the same group of friends that won a state championship in our eighth grade year at Holy Rosary, uh, to get back to that point, to have an opportunity to win a state championship as friends. Um, but me, like the psycho that I am, like I had prepared <laughs> mentally for that moment for a whole year, like waiting for that opportunity again. And it, and that article was in the back of my mind of like, well, this is what he said about you last year. Leave no doubt this year. And it was just one of those games. Yeah. So I had, Patty wants me to yeah. tell him. Yeah. Say the, st- say the he stuff. Wants me to tell, he wants me to talk numbers. Yeah. It's a good story. So, and I had no idea. I didn't know how many points I had until the game ended. But I finished with 55. Yep. I, I had 41 points at halftime. And, and Cole, do you know how many we won by? We won by 40? Seven. seven. Really? We won by yeah, seven. I have. Yep. And the funny thing is, the year they beat us the year before, I think they won by seven. So they were a very, very good team. Yeah. They had uh, Johnny Morris, really good player, went to Old Dominion, um, and uh, was it was it Mikey Walker, was the point guard. He was a little bit younger, uh, left-handed point guard who went to Penn State. Oh wow! Uh, so they had they had a really good team. Um, obviously, rightfully, so. I mean they they had gone undefeated that year until that game. Um, and I got to give a shout, shout out to Coach Costalac, Coach Cost. He's a good dude. He's still at Trinity, still doing it. One of the great all. Um, but yeah, that's, that's my Trinity story, but mentally I was like, yeah, 
Swatter, I had that game when I was probably, I don't know, 10 years old on a, uh, a VHS tape. My buddy Patrick Cosgrove, shout out to him. We would go over his house and watch it like once a week. <laughs> I mean, yeah, no, it sounds, sounds, sounds amazing. I mean, I, I don't want to get too far ahead, but obviously that next year you play in a pretty big game, a pretty big championship game, and you have a out-of-body experience in that first half as well, right? Yeah, I mean, talk about it like a good 12-month stretch. <laughs> <laughs> State championship and national championship in like a 12-month stretch. Yeah. Um, just like surreal. Uh, I think, I, I honestly got I think about it to this day, like how blessed I am to have experienced that, like to win a national championship. It's, it's like so, it's absurd. Just so hard. Can't relate. Yeah. Just, just being in Syracuse for this past year, I can only imagine the the amount yeah. of buzz, the love. The you guys have a parade. You guys must have had a parade, right? Yeah, it's twenty years now. It's yeah. twenty year reunion. Um, I can't give it away, but I think we have some things lined up. I don't know if everything's been released yet. Um, the one thing, yeah, there's like a lot of really cool things going on. Um, awesome. I think at some point we're going to have the group back together. Um, but I do know there's going to be like a, I don't know if like a 30 for 30 type, but like, I think there's going to be some really cool footage of, uh, all the guys that have been interviewed for what they're trying to put together. And, and I hope it's like an extended version. Like, I hope it's as long. I got it. I got like a small snippet and I told him, I was like, well, this can't just be an hour. Yeah. Like this, you just showed me three minutes. Like this needs to be like an hour and 45 minutes. Like this yeah, needs yeah. to be the redeem team. Like it's the, this, yeah, this is like your last dance. Ten, yeah. 10 part ten episodes. Yeah. <laughs> it's only three minutes. I felt like I was watching it for like a second. I was glued, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it, it's, it's, it's remarkable just how fast it's gone. It's already been 20 years, but I'm, I'm hoping, you know, we've never had that group back together to be celebrated. Wow. And, and and part of it is because of Mel. I mean, I've been coaching for since 2009, <laughs> and Melo like it's asinine that he's not signed to an actual. Oh. Yeah, makes it's no so sense. stupid. It is so ridiculous, um, but he's still doing it. Like it's it's <laughs> remarkable. Yeah, so I actually uh, saw Melo in the Lakes facility uh, when I was in summer league, and. He still looks great, you know what I mean. He's he works out every single day, and he'll get signed one of these. They, they keep on saying after the first twenty games he'll get signed. So, hopefully, who was uh, with him? Cole was Elijah. Elijah Hughes was with them. Uh, they had played pickup at Lifetime. Would it be? And, and was is that New York, right? Yeah, that's right near Patty. Lifetime's yeah. New York. Yeah, Chris's place, right, Brickley. Yep. Yeah. So they were down there, and Elijah was down there. So I had talked to him. He had come up to Syracuse to work out. Uh, we had worked out a few days later. So he called me. He's like, yo, Mac, I'm coming into town. Can we work out? I was like, yeah. So he came in. We worked out. And he was like, I was with Mello. He's like, he's like, yo, dude, he's the most physical player I've ever – like, think about that. He's probably – he's my age. He's 38 or 39. Yeah. Um, and he's still like – and I said that – like, I probably said it to your group last year. Like, yeah, you, you said, said to me when he was a thing. freshman. Yeah. 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 I, said, I, I was like, I played with him with – the most physical offensive player you can imagine like by the time like you played against really good physical defenders by the time it was ended like you were sore 
Like yeah. you were sore because you had to guard him. You know, and Elijah was like, "Yo, G Mac, like this dude, true, <laughs> still doing it." You know. Yeah. So obviously, yeah. So obviously, we went through your freshman year, but just just talk about. Uh, Joe tells a story all the time that when, when you came into his house with Coach Beheim, um, that it was a similar situation going in. And Coach Beheim was like, Jerry was our sixth guard. Our sixth guard coming in. And then he just beat everyone out, Joe. So I don't even know, know why you're going to worry about that. He still tells uh, the coach still uses that as an example. And I think every time he tells it, there's another guard. <laughs> Jerry's like one of 12 guards. 12 guards, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think it's just his way of being like, you know, he he had a really good career here and and you know, the competition didn't scare him. And I think that's kind of who coach is. You guys know him like it's kind of who we are. Like competition doesn't scare us. Like mm-hmm. it motivates us. And I think the guys you want to recruit are the guys that when you say that to them, they're like, "Yeah, yeah, I'm not worried about that. Like I'm going to come in and I'm I'm going to earn what I get." Um, so I think that was our way of telling Joe, like, you know, it's not going to be just handed to you, but if you believe in who you are, which we think you're that guy, like we think you could play here. Um, and that's how we recruited him. And, you know, coach did a great job with him. Yeah. I think one of the cool things about Joe's recruitment too, is we, we got a chance to see him win a state championship. The championships had moved from in New York state. They had moved. They had typically been in Glens Falls every year, but for some reason they didn't. The contract didn't work out. They moved him to Binghamton that year. So Coach and I drove down to Binghamton and watched Joe. Uh, I'm sorry, I'll rewind that. So it was previous to that the state championships in football are in the Carrier Dome. So Coach and I went over to the Carrier Dome because we had gone up and watched Joe practice in football, like as yeah. an unofficial visit. So, and then you know a few months or weeks later we had watched him win a state championship in football at the dome and then you know they go through their their season and then in binghamton we drove down an hour south on 81 and got a chance to watch him win a state championship in basketball like so kind of kind of a really cool unique recruiting story that we were able to see one of the kids that we were trying to go after and by that point he was committed um to, to watch the kid win two state championships in one season. It's incredible. You know, kind of my example, I think what he, what he fails to mention is one of the guards got thrown out of school <laughs> <laughs> and Billy Elon served a 12-game suspension. So, you know, that helps the case. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So, that, obviously, after your freshman year, you guys won a national championship, you obviously have a great year. Um, kind of go through the – the, the mindset of the team going into your sophomore year and um, kind of with it being your team, obviously you have great players, Hakeem Warwick with you still, um, still great players, but now you, you're comfortable. It's kind of talk about your sophomore year and, and obviously just um, the step that you took going into that year. Just really experienced. You know, I felt really confident going into that year. You know, nowadays I think about it too. Like nowadays, if I had that type of season now, like would I have gone? Yeah, I've entered the draft. Um, you know, going. To, did you did you ever consider that or no? You know, Coach Booch was the first one to be like, "Yo, are you?" Are oh, he brought it up, really? Yeah, I'm like, what? Like, I never thought about it, but yeah. like, 
in hindsight, I'm like, man, like I had a really good year. I averaged like 17. I yeah. led the NCAA tournament in scoring. Like I had 43 against BYU, and then yeah. I think I averaged like 26 and a half in the tournament. We lost in the Sweet 16. Um, but like, I was so blessed and lucky to play with, like, to have three years with guys like Hakeem Ward, Craig Ford, Josh Pace. Yeah. Um, and then D Nick came in on our heels. So he would have been a freshman that year. Uh, Terrence Roberts, Mookie Watkins. Um, like, just to, to be able to play three straight consecutive seasons, really with Josh, Hakeem, and Craig, like, four mainstays um, for three straight years in a program. Like, that's, that's how you build, like, a legendary stretch. Um but we had, I mean, we went the next two years with Final Four good teams. Uh, we got clipped by Alabama that year in the Sweet 16, who had who had beaten number one, I think, overall. I don't know if they were number one overall, but I think they were. It was Stanford that year. Um, I think Connecticut won the won the championship that year. But Stanford was one of the number one seeds, and Alabama had beaten Stanford and then beaten us. Um, just kind of on a hot streak. And then... Uh, our junior year, so which would have been Craig, you know, Josh and, and Hakeem's senior year. And I have to add in Billy Edelin. Like Billy Edelin was terrific. He was a pro. Like he was he was a terrific player and allowed me to move off the ball and play as a primary scorer. Um you know, and then our junior year we just got upset in the first round. Like we were really good. Like we we played the worst game of our careers. Yeah. Uh, against Vermont the year they beat us and still the, the of all the games that I've ever played in college the one that haunts me the most um, just how poorly we and they played well I'm not taking anything mm -hmm. away from what they did they had a really good team um, but like Hakeem had 10 turnovers like I played terrible they had one guy that averaged 4 points he had like 22 it was 9 for 10 yeah. but like it was just one of those like out of Sorrentine is that, that the kid's name PJ yeah, yeah. yeah. He hit like a 40 footer. Yeah, he's doing great. He's a good dude. TJ, yeah. really good dude. He was really yeah, good. Great guy. Yeah, he is. He is a really good, great, great guy. Rhode Island guy. Yeah, he is. Yeah, he really? Is. Brown. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Just a good person. Um, But I hate him <laughs> <laughs> because of that shot. But, it, you know, they, they had a really good team. We just, but that was like the heartbreaker of all the years. Like, I knew. We had one, I think we had one more chance, and, and it was when those guys, when Hakeem Warwick decided to come back for his senior season. Like, it gave us a real chance to make a Final Four type run, and we had that type of team. We just weren't able to get it done. Mm -hmm. uh, we ran into a, like, a strange first round matchup with those guys, and they clipped us. And, uh, just kind of devastating. But, but yeah, I just like the experience of, of the amount of winning that we were able to take part in and the amount of like that core group of people that I was fortunate enough to play with was just kind of awesome. So you guys obviously won the Big East Championship that year in 05. And then, and then obviously that 06 run is something that so many people, so many people in Syracuse remember. And it's, I, I don't know if you would say that's obviously national championship is probably your proudest accomplishment, but after that, I mean that that '06 run has, has to be has to be up there for you. Just kind of talk about like your mindset, game to game, go through game to game, 
how hurt you were during those those games, how you could barely move, given everything that you got, pretty, pretty much spent yourself in, in, for, for the, the tournament, tournament that year. In, in every game, everything. Yeah. Pike, shout out. Yeah, to now. Yeah, <laughs> to now. You basically give everything. So just kind of talk about that run, and, and obviously 06 was magical. I mean, that Big East tournament run in the Garden. I think more so than anything, it was kind of like uh, all the factors that had played into that moment, too. Like I, we had we had lost at DePaul by like 39, and DePaul, not that they weren't talented, but they were the last place team in the league, and yeah. we were fighting for a bid, and we played at DePaul, and they beat us by 39. Like I walked, like the front page of the paper was me with my shirt over my face crying, because I knew like we're done, like we're out. Like I'm playing my senior season at Syracuse, like we're not going to get in. Um, and I had, I had played like the last. I don't know how many games it had to be close to 20. Like I had played the majority of the season with a stress fracture in my pelvic bone. So going in to the Big East tournament, like I was really, really injured all year. And then I had felt like everything I had accomplished, you know, a league title, a national championship, a Big East tournament championship. And now, like, literally I'm walking out the door and the student newspaper is going to say that I'm overrated. Yeah. Like, I felt insulted. And and I we don't, we don't make it public. Like, I to me, I was like, you know how much I've laid on the line, like, physically, mm-hmm. every night to be available? to start 135 games straight, like I'm injured. I'm not hurt. I'm injured. Yeah, there's a difference. Very big difference, yeah. I have a stress fracture, and I'm playing 39 minutes a night. I'm literally going to limp with them 39 because I'm sacrificing my body. Yeah, I, I need I need ankle fusion surgery. <laughs> <laughs> All those times I landed on somebody's foot, yeah, it destroyed myself. But I'm going to yeah. keep playing because – I want to win, and I'm gonna I'm gonna walk out of here after I've given everything, literally physically, I can give, and I have to hear that. And coach knew that. Like that's why. Like, yeah, of all the things about him, like that's why. Like I love him, but he was the one person of anybody that knew what I was going through, and he didn't tell anybody. I didn't tell anybody. My parents knew. Staff knew, the players knew, but we didn't tell anybody. Yeah. So when I needed him to be like, "What?" Like everybody needs to calm down and shut up. He did. Yeah. And we got lucky. I hit a floater in the in the first round because at that point it was like us or Cincinnati. Like yeah. that's how good the league was. We were the nine seed. They were the eight seed. We split. We beat them at their place. They beat us at the Dome. Like, whoever wins this first-round game is probably an NCAA tournament team. That's how good the league was. Yep. Nine teams. That was the start of how good the Big East was going to be. Um, so, when he did that after the Cincinnati game of the famous rant of the, you know, mm-hmm. we would have won ten games, which we would have. I mean, our t- All right. Not, not, yeah. not just – not 10 games, 10 fucking games. <laughs> and I, like, I was at the podium just, like, so, like, 
I just kept my head down because I was like, I fucking love this guy. Like, yeah. thank you. But at the same time, I was like, that's not true. I believe in the guys I'm playing with. Yeah. We're just like, like, Eric's a freshman. D-Nick's mm-hmm. kind of coming into his own, taking oh. a bigger step, who ends up leading the Big East and scoring the year after I left. Like, yeah. Like, I believe we're good, but, like, we're definitely winning 10 more games without me. But at the same time, like, thank you, man. Like, I needed that. Like, yeah. I needed some of the stuff. Because I wouldn't, I wouldn't have gone. Like, you know what I'm going through? You know, that's how I am. Like, I, all I'm focused on is, like, what you're basing the office performance. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I think of all, like, I think of the national championship. You can't. It's the greatest thing ever. Yeah. But one of the things I'm most proud of is the way I walked out the door, which is the way I walked in. I'm going to give you everything I got. I'm going to leave it all on the line. And I think I'm the baddest dude on the court. And that's just what it is. And I know the guy coaching me thinks that too. So if he thinks it and I think it, we're good. Like, so when, when he drew up a play for D-Nick to beat UConn in overtime, and I look up at Hop in the back of the huddle, like, are you kidding me? No offense to D-Nick. But I walked out of the huddle, and you could see it. I've watched the rerun. During COVID, they played the four days and four nights. So I yep. watched and you could see it right in the rerun. I look right at Coach. I'm like, you want me taking this shot? And he's like, yeah. I'm like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> And that's it. So I walked out and I took the shot. And we tied it and we beat him in overtime. And I knew shit in overtime. My teammates did. Like, and that's that's that was the beauty of that whole week for me was I believed in the group I was playing, playing with. Coach went to bat for me. At the same time, probably motivated the group that I believed in. That, like, all right, you don't think we would have won 10 games? Watch. And that's kind of how it all came together. And then by the end of that week, I was like, literally, <laughs> before the NCAA tournament started, I didn't practice. I was dunk. Played four games, four nights, dealing with the stress fracture. By the time the tournament ended and adrenaline had stopped, I was physically done. It was the only field goal in my only only game in my career that I didn't make a field goal was the the last game of my career. And 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 here's the funny thing about coach. We had booked the flights. We played in Jacksonville, lost to Texas A&M. He kept me out of the game, like the last, I don't even know how long it was. But it was the probably the lowest amount of minutes I've ever played in my career. Never, I didn't make a field goal. The next day, because be, because we had to have, like, book the flights Friday to Sunday or whatever, we lost and had to stay there another night. We didn't fly right out. So the next day, we coincidentally ended up in the elevator together. I was coming down the elevator, and he said to me, like we, like one floor, two floor of silence. And by like the third floor of silence, he turned to me. He's like, I was going to try to get you back in. And, and, you know, he tried to explain himself. I'm like, coach, you did the right thing. Like you played the bet, you played the guys that could have helped you win the game. Like I couldn't help you at that point. Like you knew I was done. I knew I was done. Like it is what it is. But I just appreciated the fact that when it was all said and done, he tried to explain. And I was just like, Coach, you play to win. 
And yeah. at this point, like, you know, I was sitting right there on the sideline thinking, I hope to God we went to. Mm-hmm. Jake, can you talk about, uh, like, your mindset at the end of games? Because obviously I think anyone in any Q's fan would acknowledge you as maybe the most clutch player in, like, the in pr- program's history. So the other thing is you definitely had this special way about you that it was like you could be five for 16, and it's like, no, I'm still – like that UConn game, you were struggling from the field a little bit, and it's like, no, no, no I'm, I'm taking this fucking shot. Like, is that something you always had? Yeah, I think so. Um, mm-hmm. I don't like to fly, <laughs> and one of the reasons I don't like to fly is because someone else is flying me. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You're not in control. Yeah, that's why you like golf so much. If I'm getting in the car, and and I'm a you know, we're taking the family to Scranton, and my wife's like, "I'll drive." I look at her like, "What? <laughs> yeah, what? No, stop it! Stop it! Knock it off!" <laughs> like, I think I could always live with the result. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think a lot of players are willing to live with the result of failure. I never, I never feared it. Like a lot of people fear failure. I just I love I love the moment. Like I mm-hmm. so it's everything I've ever like if you put in enough work and you believe in yourself and that's who yep. you think you are. Like that's who I've always thought I was. I don't think I would have made it as far as I did if I didn't think that. Mm-hmm. So I was always willing to live with the result if it was me. You know, if, yeah. that, if that makes sense. Not to be like self. No, that makes perfect sense. No, no, yeah. no I mean I mean, just talking about just greatness in general. I mean, a lot of people who achieve greatness, who are great in things, that's that's how they are too. I mean, I I think about that all the time for myself. You know, what I mean, I, like I, I think I my first couple of years at Villanova, I feared failure. You know what I mean? When I came to Syracuse, I was like, obviously, the belief is is one thing, and, and for now, for me now, it's like I put the work in. I do all the things I need to do. I eat the right things. Like you know what I mean? Train. And all, the results that are going to be theirs, I'll, I'll take those results. You know what I mean? Like, that's, I mean, I'm, I'm big into my faith, and I believe God is, he has a plan for everyone, so. But um, if you're willing to lay it all out there, you live yeah, with it. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I'm willing to. You've gotten to the point where you're willing to. Yeah, for sure. When you get the chance to pull one off a down screen. Yeah. You know. <laughs> what I work for to who I am for sure you know you're prepared for, for sure. it mentally prepared for it you physically prepared for it you've dreamt about it you've convinced yourself I'm that dude yep it's just what well, it's what we do after your college career obviously storied college career one of the best in my opinion ever you have this kind of fame about you in Syracuse. I mean, you, you would never say this yourself, but obviously me being there, you know what I mean? Like, you go on Marshall Street, it's all Jerry McNamara jerseys. You know what I mean? You're, you're still I, – I, I think, obviously, it's probably between you and Melo the most amount of Syracuse jerseys there are around campus. You know what I mean? The kids still wearing those things today. What do you think made you resonate with the people of Syracuse? Like, what, what do you think – Obviously, you, there, there was critics and everything like that, but at the end of the day, the the, the love that the people of Syracuse have for you, what, what do you think uh, created that, the kind of things? And obviously, the, your senior night explains it all. 
just the emotions. I think I think there's going to be there's going to be critics in anything we do. Um, I learned to live with that. Like people are going to judge you. It took me a while to feel like I don't give a shit what you think about me. I don't care. Um, I think the thing that reson resonated with the people that I played in front of in Scranton and then here at Syracuse was they probably felt the same thing. You know, I, I think they probably looked at me in terms of, well, first and foremost, you win a national championship. <laughs> <laughs> that helps. Yeah. yeah. Um, and for a program of this magnitude, as storied as we are, um, to be the first group to do it, your 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 group is going to be remembered, um, and I think probably probably so with with me the way people probably resonated with me is because I, I'm a lot like a lot of them. I'm not, like, believe it or not, I, at one point I did have a 39 and a half inch vertical. That was the highest on the team, wasn't it? Yeah, me and Hakeem coming in. Wow. But I think the fact that. Um, you know, I'm not all that different from I'm not an incredible athlete um, I disagree with that yeah, yeah, yeah 40 inch vertical but I'm not 40 inch vertical athlete. can blow by people <laughs> pretty good size I'm downplaying myself okay yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. I just I, I think people have an appreciation for how I had I always appreciated watching like a guy like Dwayne Wade early in his career and the reason I did is because I just felt like I'm talking about like pre big three, like when he won yeah. it yeah. with Shaq, like shit, not even that, like just in terms of his, like, I, I just like watching him play. And, and the reason I did is because I just felt like every game he played, like, man, that dude lays it on the line. Like he's willing yeah. to dive. He's willing to, you know, physically exhaust himself. He's willing to take the bumps, the bruises to play injured, to play dinged up. Um, and I think that's probably more so than anything is just I had to play a certain way to be effective I had to give everything I had physically because I had to physically exhaust myself because I had to be as quick as I could possibly be and um, I think more so than anything and this is just the plain truth reality is I've never judged myself in any other way than winning and losing and I think that's rare I do. I think there's a lot of players that, regardless of outcome of game, only think about how they played. Mm. And the way I've always judged myself is, did we win? And that was the most important thing in anything I've ever tried to do was, did we win? And if we didn't, I didn't do my job. And if we did and I didn't play well, I was like, thank God. Yeah. I got to be better. Um, but I wasn't unhappy. I was happy. Um, and it, it, it was it was the G League the first time I hit that scenario where I was, when I left Syracuse, when we lost the game. And we got in the locker room and one of the players asked one of the assistant coaches, like, yo, you got the stat sheet? And he got the statue, and he was like, man, I definitely had more than eight rebounds. 
and I just it blew my mind because I wanted to grab the stat sheet, not look at it. I wanted to crumble it up and use it as kindling in a fire because I was so angry that we had lost. Um, so that's that's I, I I think more so than anything is just I wanted to win. I think people appreciated that. I still want to win. I will yeah. always want to win. And I'll try to do everything in my power and anything I ever do to, to, to win. It's just as simple as that. Talk about, obviously, after college, you decided you played pro for a couple of years. Um, had a good pro career, but obviously, like you said, you laid everything on the line for Syracuse and probably wasn't able to um, – play the amount of years that, that, that maybe you you wanted to or could have, but um, just talk about your pro career a little bit and then obviously that transition into coaching and, and obviously the, the famous Coach Beheim quote to get you into coaching. Yeah, I think, I think more so now, like as I've gotten older and the pain I've dealt with in my body with my ankle – I honestly think like my pro yeah. career was short lived regardless. Like yeah. I, just, I had physically put yeah. a lot on my body. I think I played at some point through a broken ankle, yeah. uh, which is why my ankle is the certain way it is. So then when I went overseas and I didn't probably get in the right situation right away, it was with a, yeah. with a, mm-hmm. it was a great opportunity in terms of the level, like Euro league, like the right. Yeah right place you want to be is right go step below the NBA but it probably wasn't the best situation for me um, so I didn't have the I only signed for your league so we were playing in multiple leagues um, so I only had a limited amount of time of games I could play and by the time I had a chance to play the game team had already so just a lot of factors in terms of how my pro career went and then the fact that like Katie and I were together we were getting married um, we had been married by the time I was already playing professionally I just kind of set a different trajectory in terms of what I felt was important. Um, so when I had, when I had the opportunity to be back at a place that I endeared, like that I loved, like I think I just kind of jumped at it because I knew I'd be fully invested in it. So like living in Greece or living in Latvia or you know playing in Bakersfield or Reno or these different places I've played. I just, I wasn't kind of in love with the whole process. Um, I think part of it was because I always thought I would be an NBA player. Um, I think part of it was because physically I just reached a point where I couldn't sustain the amount of work it took to be the player that I knew I could be. Um, So I just... I, I made a decision in terms of what I thought the next step would be for me to be happy. And I don't regret it. Like, do I regret? I think the biggest regret I have mm-hmm. is I think I was good enough to be an NBA player. <laughs> I do. Yeah. I still do. I don't. You know, I don't care who says what to me. Yeah. <laughs> when I'm healthy and at full go, hundred percent, compete with anybody. Um, 
but I think the demands that it took to, for me to be that guy took yeah. a toll on, <laughs> on me because of that mentality. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, so I just had the opportunity to come back here and kind of rejuvenate myself and put all that energy into something else. And, uh, now I get to talk to you guys and have the, have the experiences that I've had with you. Like I just, just really grateful for all the, all the, I think that's the greatest gift of the profession that we're in. I said the, the greatest, the greatest gift and curse of college basketball, especially as a coach is you get to, you get to develop incredible relationships with a lot of people. The curse is at some point they have to leave. Yeah. So like you've, you've created this incredible bond and then they're gone and you're like devastated. But then all of a sudden you turn around and a new group comes in and you're like, all right, let me try to recreate it. So, um, certain groups are like yours like it molds who you are and it makes you appreciate what you do and motivates you to try to recreate it i want to ask about the uh like satisfaction and sort of you kind of talked about it on devo's podcast but seeing a player that you spend so much time with like developing and working out every day with and then it works and it's like a drug where it's like oh my god like this is actually you know like coming to fruition and Swider I think I said to you on the bus after the UNC game obviously we were pissed off we lost but you're 36 and I texted my brothers and I said to you I was like I think I might want to coach after watching that performance because I see you do these moves every single day and then it's like fast forward to the Dean Dome and whether it's coming off a pin down or like that little hezzy pull up with your left hand it's like I see that every single day, and now he's doing it in front of people. So, gee, I, I'm, I've heard you talk about this before, but, like, kind of speak to how, I don't know, electric that feeling is, I guess, or intoxicating. Yeah, it's, there's nothing like it. There really isn't. I mean, I, yeah, it's hard to explain. And I'm, I'm kind of seeing it with my son now. Who's, yeah. Oh, yeah. Who's, you know, he's now 11. And he's starting to catch the bug. So you just take a great deal of pride in, in uh, the people that, you know, you've put the equity in with, you know, the, the people that you've put these hours in with. Um, and it's not because of ego. It's not because of I did this. Mm -hmm. It's because he did this. He did it. Like you're there to help him and you're there to guide him and spend the time with him. But because you've been there through that, like you're like, I love him. I care about him. And he's worked for it. He did it. And I think it's just rewarding. You know, it's 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 just really rewarding to watch someone that is willing to put that amount of energy into something that they care about. Um, reap the rewards of it you know so it's uh, it was really like like those first few years I coached was was like the Andy Routens and Scoop and, yeah. and, and Michael but a guy like Trevor Cooney like 
who redshirted. Um, that that 2016 team was really special to me because the two, the two starting guards that made the Final Four that year were both redshirts. Mm-hmm. Trevor redshirted, and Michael Benajay had transferred mm-hmm. in from Duke and redshirted. And I spent a whole – back then you had to sit out. Yeah. Yep. So I spent game days with those guys beating the living hell out of them. So I, I, I honest to God, I, I treated game day for us as game day for them when they were sitting out. So to see guys like that, especially, that like were, you know, a little bit counted out, um, see the level of success, success that they had, like that was incredibly rewarding for me mm-hmm. um, because they did it. They were willing to put in the amount of hours that they did. So, uh, yeah, it's just it's a it's a it's a very very difficult thing to explain, um, but it's it's the greatest thing we do. You know, it's mm-hmm. not about us. It's about the amount of hours that you guys are willing to put in, and you know, when you see the level of success you're happy with, like <laughs> there's nothing like it. Mm-hmm. Trevor has a great quote. I think it was on Devo's podcast uh, talking about Coach Beheim, just the the genius of Coach Beheim, the how we're so lucky to play for him, everything like that. But uh, he said that he went up to, to Todd one day, Todd Blumen, our video coordinator, and was like, "Hey, Todd, like uh, I'm not shooting the ball particularly well right now. Like, could you pull up some some clips for me to to so I can see my form when I was making shots? I want to see if anything's different." And Todd's like, "Yeah, l- l- let me go ask Coach." So I guess. Uh, He's like, all right, like, why do you have to go ask coach? You, you can't just give me the clips, you know what I mean? <laughs> so, uh, I, I guess like he shoot with you, he shoot with you one day, and coach walks up to him. He's like, Trevor, can you just shoot the fucking ball? Don't don't fucking care about the clips. Shoot the fucking ball, son. And like, yeah, <laughs> and like coach may have had this this famous quote to me last year. He's like, sometimes you have to be dumb to play the game of basketball. <laughs> Like, and I, I think a lot it's of true. times in college basketball and, and pro basketball, like, we overcomplicate things so much. It's like, all right, what, what ball screen coverage are we in? All these things, you know what I mean? And at the end of the day, it's shoot the ball with confidence, play hard. Right? And I think Coach does such a good job of simplifying stuff like that. Just kind of talk about just, just Coach and his, his genius of, Obviously, knowing every every ins and out of basketball, watching every single college game there is, but at the same time, like having the wherewithal to be like, Cole, shoot the ball, Trevor, shoot the ball. Yeah, he, uh, you know, Hop used to say he takes the most complicated situation and simplifies it. And it's the truth. Like of all of all the things that, I mean, there's so many great qualities of him, but of all of all the greatest qualities he has. Is he's like it's basketball. <laughs> I say it to you all the time. Knock it off. Stop it. <laughs> you know, um, and that's how he is. I think um, he just has an incredible ability to coach you, but still to coach you hard. Yeah, and kind of insult you. <laughs> but still create confidence. Like, it's the strangest thing ever. Like, he could be like, Cole, I mean, 
This is like what a third grader would do. But you're not a third grader. Even I could break that trap. Yeah. <laughs> so he's just so he's so complex. He's just so difficult to explain as a human being. Like yeah. you know, he's a genius when it comes to managing the personnel. And I think that's what coaching is. Like you obviously have to have talent. Um, you have to build your group. X's and O's are important, obviously. Um, but you have to manage people. You have to understand people. Uh, you have to know who to push a certain way. Uh, what you expect out of certain people. And I think that's where he's a master. He's just... Um, he's seen 46 teams now, right? Forty. I think it's 46 teams. This he's 47 here. This is year 47, right? So he's, he's been, he's seen it 46 times. I mean, there's, there's nothing he hasn't seen. Um, so he just, he's, he's a master at dealing with people, understanding what they need, what they need to hear. Um, and that's the beauty of him. And, and the greatest thing about him is he never sugarcoats it. No. It's always transparent. And, you know, we've all played for people that, there's hidden messages and codes and you know they'll tell you one thing and do another he doesn't no he doesn't you know exactly where you stand um and it is what it is that's the greatest part of playing for him and working for him um he gets the best out of every group and i think it's why traditionally historically we've we've peaked at the right time um it's because he's consistently given a message throughout a stretch of 25 games. And by the time it's you to be your best version, instead of being robotic, like a lot of teams are when it comes tournament time, we're, uh, we're a completely different scenario. Yeah. If that makes sense. We're not here. We play off each other. We understand each other. We have different actions that we want to get to, but we're going to read and react out of them. And we understand each other around us, and we've been doing it in practice. Yeah. I've, I've had a lot of people like kind of transfer in here, and I've, the, one of the things that I've asked one of the kids that transferred in from a couple different high-level programs, I said, what's the difference between us and them? He said, there's no fluff. Like, there's no There's no nonsense. Like there's no stoppages of 15 minutes in practice that you can get across 30 seconds. Yeah. Like our practices are boom, 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 straight to the point. If he needs to stop it, he stops it. If he needs to clarify a role, he clarifies it. And if he needs to pull someone aside, he does it. Um, yeah, he's, he's, he's a master at, at, at managing people and managing teams. I think one of the things that's so great about Coach Beheim is that, like, with a guy like me or you, the guys who are fiery, the guys who are just like him, like, he, he's able to manage those guys so well and he relates to those guys so well. And that's why I think he was the perfect coach for me to play for my, my last year because it's like, like, he could yell at me, scream at me, and I'm looking at him like, I want to rip your head but off. But he, res- he respects it. <laughs> to both of your guys' points, though, it's like he, like, yeah, he'll light it, like, the entire team up, whatever, if we're not playing well. And... But within the rant, he'll be like, 
yeah, Cole, Buddy, and Joe are not shooting well. They're taking shots. Like, that's what this team is. So it's like every coach in the country obviously yells at their players, but not many are going to say, like, no, these three are shooting no matter what. That's their roles. This is your role, which is exactly what you're talking about, about sugarcoating it, because it, it just, I don't know, it, it makes the, the way the roster is built just like, it's like, not like anyone's, ex- I don't know, getting something that they're not expecting. He, he, he can watch practice for the first week, and he knows. <laughs> you know? Like, he knows what this guy's cap. All right. Mm-hmm. This is what I see for you. He needs to shoot more than this guy. This guy needs to play a little bit more than this guy. You need to, you need to be the spark. You need to be the spot minutes. He, he just he has a great feel for, for yeah. the people that he has in a group. And he can coach you like, you know, like he did you, Cole. Like, yeah. you need to – listen, son. If you think we're going to win any games playing the way you're playing, we're not. Yeah. And then, like Patty's saying, one minute later in the same speech, he's like, Cole's going to take those shots. Yeah. And he's going to make them. So he's addressing the team after, after he's – directly addressed you yeah and you're sitting there like oh okay (laughs) play better but i'm gonna take the same shots yeah so he just he's got a certain feel for the group he has he understands them um yeah he was he was and like you tweeted out a few weeks ago if you're a shooter yeah (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> keep ripping it if yeah. you can really rip it here you'll have the opportunity to do it no, for sure man he's also great to, great to walk on every, every, the, all the coaches are but I mean to you he was not to everyone yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not get that twisted I'll, th- I'll take he that lo- yeah. he loved Patty Casey but yeah. let's, I'll take that yeah <laughs> I mean, you did say Patty Casey was. That went even better than I expected when I was saying it. Patty Casey came in in his first practice in the first two possessions. You love this story. He hit two threes, first two possessions at Syracuse, and didn't the court for the rest of his time there. Yeah. Like, it was like, all right, Patty's playing. (laughs) And not only is Patty playing, but he's guarding Buddy every day. But I was I was looking at it like from the situation I'm like all right if I go in and throw it off the side of the backboard five times here it's not like they're expecting anything from me so it's like might as well just let it fly. <laughs> yeah, no. But, I mean, Coach Mayhem did say Patty was the best walk on in our program's history yeah, before think, the season think, even started. <laughs> I think we've brought that up every episode, so we we should keep that going. That streak there. We've had some some really good ones, man. You're right up there. I I love it. What makes a good player, Patty? I mean, Cole. Like, what makes a good program guy? Yeah. Who's going to show up every day, give you everything, yep. lay it all on the line? You did it, man. Like, you did it. Yep. Did I yell at you? Guys- uh, maybe like a handful. Not not like bad yell, though. I was like, oh, no, you, you probably did about once a week, and every single time it was we shoot open shots. Other than that, it was like never. If I made a mistake, it was like, yeah, just keep playing hard. You're helping us. G-Mac yelled at me one time. <laughs> Wake, Wake Forest. That's a bullshit shot. Oh, yeah. 
at Wake Forest. But that's what we were talking about, the balance. Like, when you do get on someone, it means more when you're able to, like, put your shoulder or put your arm around them. Yeah. I'm not going to yell at you to yell at you. Yeah. yeah. If I'm going to yell at you, it's because you deserve to be yelled at. You took a bad shot at Wake Forest. Yeah. And I, I yell at you in the huddle. So we don't need that shot. Yeah. It's a bad shot. Doesn't get any more. <laughs> <laughs> well, what do you What do you appreciate as a player? Like, do you appreciate as a player like a dude that just yells at you for no reason? No. no or do I you mean, appreciate that, like, yeah, I get, I get why he's yelling at me like shit, and he doesn't yell at me a lot. So if he's yelling yeah. at me, it means more. Yeah. Yeah. No. I mean, that's why. I, that's why. I, like at the beginning of the episode, it's like that perfect balance, and me and Patty talk about it all the time. It's yeah. I played. Yeah. I get it. I understand it. Yep. I know what you're going through. And I see what you're looking at. There's no mystery to yeah, it. Man. Yeah. Well, GMAC, man, that was that was amazing, man. Obviously, from me, Patty, Jake, Adam, um, obviously, love and respect you more than anyone I know. And obviously, so thankful and grateful to have you in my life, man. So, um, thanks for obviously coming on the podcast, ma- making it. Halloween night after yeah. uh, bringing your bring your kids out to trick or treat. <laughs> you kept me up too late, man. I'm all sugared up. Yeah, <laughs> Snickers, yeah. And Swedish fish. Yeah, eating all my kids. That, can't. This was a hundred minutes, G, and I think we could have kept going for like twice as long. So, might have to hold you to to coming back. The last time I thought <laughs> oh, Eddie Cole, we had a beer in Scranton, Pennsylvania. So, I think it was multiple beers. Yeah, it was a couple beers. Yeah. No, that was a great day. I crashed the Hannon reunion party as a prep guy. The only Scranton prep guy to be at the yep. be invited to the Bishop Hannon reunion. Yep. I fit right in though. It was fine. No question. No question. But I love you guys, man. Anything you guys need, I'm always here. You know that. Always. Oh, sure. Uh, thanks again. Appreciate man. you very much, G. I don't know if we'll have much on the close out here. I think the hour and forty minute interview will probably be most of the episode. So you guys exactly appreciate it. It was all your fault that we exhausted yeah. the moment. I didn't say anything. <laughs> Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash aware. What's up, everybody? Thank you guys for tuning in. We really hope you enjoyed this week's show. To find out who will be joining us next week, make sure you're following us on all social media platforms, at Swider Show on Instagram, at Swider Show on Twitter, and at Swider Show on TikTok. We also recently developed our very own YouTube page, www.youtube.com slash at Swider Show and subscribe. You can send in a mailbag question to be featured on the show, swidershow at gmail.com. And of course, if you haven't already, make sure to turn on those notifications so you never miss an episode week to week. Cole Swider Show with Patty Casey is presented by Blue Wire Podcast and our executive producer is Adam Lewis. Swider Show is created by Cole Swider, Patty Casey, and producer Adam Lewis. All rights reserved. Thank you guys. We'll see you next week.